The meaning of my work and my life is just to make other people feel powerful and happy with themselves. I thought that your journey was really inspiring. It was a constant fight with myself. I was angry and mad at being gay. Something is wrong with me. You had this great opportunity one day, the ultimate responsibility for everybody to be part of the solution. I really believe that we have to work to implement and make kindness part, part of our culture. If everybody's actually practicing kindness, nobody's suffering. So I focus on sharing my journey and how I was dealing with depression. I start to get better, motivate other people to get better and telling them how I got better. One thing I love you're saying. It's, it's okay not to be okay. That's it, exactly. So, it's yeah. okay not to be okay. <laughs> no matter what, you're gonna be okay. This is the Get Radical Show, brought to you by Radical Skin Care, with your sisters on a mission, Liz and Rachel Edlick. Today, you could not have a better, more beautiful person with me than Castellani, who I was lucky enough to have a radical weekend with. We had radical slumber party and had more fun and inspiration and walks on the beach. And I'm just so grateful to, to know you. But I'm not the only one that knows Castellani. As a matter of fact, he's a high powered social media influencer, a public figure. And Castellani is familiar to the Los Angeles social scene as well as the international scene. But what you might not know is that his road to becoming a social media sensation was marked with pain and trauma. As a teen, his classmate bullied him relentlessly because of his sexuality, and as a result, he fell into a deep depression. He found his catharsis in documenting his struggles on social media. His authenticity drew support from thousands of people around the world. Eventually, it caught the attention of Lady Gaga. She invited him to share his story at the Born This Way Foundation, where his mission to support mental and emotional wellness actually came to fruition. To support young people around the world putting their needs first, Castellani is a mentor and is getting radical with us here today to share his journey to inspire and empower all of us to live a life we love. So I am so happy that you have become one of our radical ambassadors, not just skin deep and sharing your life with us and expressing what it is that has made you an absolute mentor and inspiring others through their darkness of depression. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here and letting me be radical with you on my mission to youth empowerment and I'm so thankful to you to give me voice and use your platform for this cause that I'm advocating for and whatever mission I have in my life and you just being amazing not just to me but all these young leaders and these young people who is trying to make change and impact in the world so thank you for having me today I'm really happy and proud to be here uh, well we're so grateful because you're such a special spirit and I know you, from Dior to Chanel to Neiman to the red carpet. I mean, am I a celebrity if I get to hold your hand? <laughs> I love it. No, I'm none of it. I'm none of the glamorous life and red carpets. This is just part of the, you know, the visibility that happens. I do work with my image as well, but my mission and my path and the meaning of my work and my life is just to make other people feel powerful and happy with themselves and just 
discover what they want to live for. So take me back for a minute because I thought that your journey was really inspiring, especially being 12, 13, 14, 15 years old and being bullied. And, you know, we had that talk about there was one moment where everything kind of came together to allow you to express yourself. And in that expression, it got a lot of attention and allowed you to not just speak your truth, but empower others to do the same. So take us back there, your moment where you were in your renowned private school, a Catholic school, <laughs> the Catholic with teachers school. and parents and, and very affluent children who everything wasn't really like it appeared on the outside, on the inside there. Basically everything started right there when I was reaching high school. Mm -hmm. I was between 14, 15 years old and things got really rough. The kids got more and more mean. They used to be since I was younger because of my sexuality. So I used to deal with bullying and since 10 years old, I had luckily I had emotional support and I had my family give me the support that I need. Maybe not always being there for me, but providing all the professionals that I need, psychologists. I had one of the best psychologists in the country and who I always say Solange, Solange Miranda, she saved my life. But yeah, everything started like on school. I had this whole situation when I was suffering the most bullying ever. I started to feel very depressed, very low, very down. It was affecting my, my personal life. It was affecting my, my development at school and how I was doing everything, sports and the disciplines. I was not doing great at all in my life at all. Always low and always depressed, always crying, always not self-confident and always trying to, to change myself to be accepted by the people around me. I wanted to feel accepted by the other kids at school. I wanted to feel accepted by the community, by my teachers, by everybody. It was a constant fight with myself, trying to change my voice, trying to behave differently, try to be more masculine, try to be different, and try to change myself and fighting with myself, fighting with who I really was and I really am. Thinking there was something wrong with me and for a long while I thought that my sexuality was painful. I didn't want to be this way. I was blaming myself. I was angry and mad at being gay just because the world around me was not accepting me. There was a moment when I got really depressed and I had to take pills so I had to go from psychology to psychiatric help because it became really strong and my psychologist, she decided it was time for me to start taking some pills because it was getting really heavy on me. And she even wanted me to be away from school. So she wrote a letter to school asking me to be at least two or a month away from school and taking disciplines from home. And so not, actually it got so bad they actually wanted to homeschool you. They wanted to homeschool me because the, the school environment became really dangerous for me. And I could just change the school, but was like really maybe not the best option because how we gotta move him to another school, make him run away from the problem, make make him go to a no, expose him to to, to a new kids that can possibly be mean again, and the problem can keep going and it'll be a way harder as it's a new school, a new environment. It just also makes you feel that you're running away. You have to run away from your problems. 
So we decided that I wanted to stay a little away from school. I did, but nothing helped so much. I started to get better and accept that and fight back to these kids and just people who were being bullying me. Because every time I would go to the directors of the school or to the teachers or to the people that was responsible to take care of the climate inside students, they were not blaming anyone else but me. I was a gay kid, so in their mind, you have to change. That's your fault which is so wrong. It's totally wrong, especially I remember the school had a professional psychologist and she was the first one that would always tell me, you need to change what you're doing to help yourself, what you're doing to help Jesus to stop. It was not really my fault, but then it would just make me feel, yeah, that's probably maybe my fault. I was born wrong, something is wrong with me. I am different, I don't fit here, I don't belong here. What should I do? So one day you had this great opportunity out of something that was so painful to get down on the field, speak your truth, and not just speak your truth, but actually share the ultimate responsibility for everybody to be part of the solution. So share with everyone what happened. You had Olympic Games at your school, which is a big deal, where everyone's you know playing together and you're going to order your jerseys. Yeah, so every year before school's holidays, in the middle of the year, they would do these Olympic games between all the class. Well, we do football, well, we do games and all just, just, just Olympic games that everyone is, is competing against each class. Every class has different shirts with different colors and you have to put your nickname on the, uh, behind your shirt. And I chose the nickname that the kids was giving to me so when they gave me the paper to sign and everything, I chose the nickname that would mean in English something very similar to faggot. That's how the kids would call me. And when the shirts arrived a day before the school Olympic Games that we were doing, the professionals at the school, they came to me and said, hey, you're not gonna be able to participate on the Olympic Games because that name that you put on your shirt, this is not okay. How can you put that name on your shirt? So you're not gonna be able to participate because now is not enough time to make a new shirt. So that's the name I had. And then they told that I was being, I had an attitude on that. And they wanted to suspend me out of school for two days and not allowing me to participate for the whole week of Olympic Games. Anyway, I got really, really mad, really, really mad, really angry to myself, but also to them and to just people. I was really tired and sick of it, and I show up. Even if I was suspended, I show up with my shirt. I just run into the microphone and I started to, to talk to them. I just tell them I had to say something really fast. I was not supposed to be here. I'm suspended and I'm suspended because, you know, the name that I'm carrying on my shirt. So I want you guys, all the families and parents and teachers and everybody who is here today to understand which name is then to know why I'm being suspended. Because I think it's your fault. I don't think it's mine. This is the name that your kids gave to me. Your parents here, your kids gave me this nickname. So you were saying this, that it wasn't the kids' fault. Ultimately, it was the environment of the school, of the teachers and the parents that were allowing this type of behavior, this type of communication to be cruel. Definitely. Like somehow making it okay. Definitely. The school was overlooking at something that kids do. 
how could the kids do not make fun of me if I was that thing? Gay and my voice was girly and my behavior was girly. How do the kids not gonna make fun of me? I think that's how the school would see it. I definitely don't think it was the kids' fault. And I believe, I strongly believe that those kids were bullying me. They also suffered with something. I also think they are not okay and inside the house or somewhere in another environment they are also suffering from something and then they do mean things to the kids just to make themselves feel better. That's what I stand for. I'm not against bullying because I don't think the bully is the problem. I think kindness is the problem. I think the bullying is also suffering on depression or some sort of mental health issues. And that's why that kid or that person is bullying someone else. So definitely, I didn't have enough time and I got emotional, so I stopped my speech at that moment and I left. I left in tears. But I'm going to start crying just to remember that moment because it's really remarkable in my life. I didn't blame those kids and today with more that I am more mature to look back, I really believe that we have to work to implement and make kindness part, part of our culture. It's so easy to bully someone digitally and at school. We should not fight bullying. That's not what I'm fighting for, to stop bullying. I'm fighting for kindness. I'm fighting, fighting for kindness in the world and make it actually part of our culture because is it actually kindness part of our culture? Is that something that really deeply teach our kids? At home it has At to be taught. At home it has to be taught. At the community it has to be taught. Just simple words teaching your kids how to always say please and thank you and to tell their friends you're beautiful, you're amazing, I'm so proud of you since as a kid and giving themselves hugs and actually cultivating kindness just as much as you try to make your kid learn French or English in Brazil. To, they, they want all the kids to speak English, so they put so much effort on that since you're one year old. Right. But why they are not putting effort to cheat that kid to be kind? That's right. It's not in our culture. It's not something that we really care about. Do we actually care about being kind? Do we actually think it's something really necessary to be kind? Or is it better to get a good math score or science score or history score? Exactly. And that is endemic, you know, we've, we talk about that at Radical, that's why we wrote the book at Radical, because one of the things and why we're so happy that you're here to share, because we really feel like what's being taught in school are not some of the fundamental tools that create a life you love as you grow and as you get older. And one of the things that I thought was really special, not only speaking out in that moment and saying, listen, I'm hurt, I've been bullied, this isn't right, but what I want you to know is I'm not angry with the children, that it's a bigger, a bigger story, more responsibility that needs to go all the way up from our schools to our parents. And by the way, I have compassion for them as well because they were never taught some of the fundamental areas of kindness, compassion, things like that, love. And so you started to use the internet as a platform to share what was going on inside of you. Instead of isolating, instead of keeping it all inside, you started to share your journey. And with that, 
you have created hundreds of thousands of people that have gone on this journey with you and then they too have come out of the dark, out of their isolation to say, I'm feeling the same way. This is going on with me. So what are you hearing? And what are you, I know that you've talked a lot about depression. What are you hearing out there? And what is it allowing you to do to help another? Yeah, so definitely after just hoping, I attracted a lot of people to me who was also suffering with the same problem and just telling me that they go through the same things at the school, they don't know what to do, it's just the same kids all the way in the north of Brazil or in the south of Brazil. I don't know, from the internet they discover what happened, they discover my history and they create an identity with me and we all came together in this amazing platform that we call social media where we can all be connected now and together we can have a bigger voice. I want to share my knowledge today and just how I got better, my experience. And it was working. I heard so many people who got connected to me, shared their histories with me. I discovered how important it was to use this platform with responsibility and touch every single of those lives who were coming on my way. And they're not just kids in school. We were talking about where the demographics are. And so isolation and depression is not something that's just happening in high schools it's or in not. colleges. And it's not just because people are identifying with, gee, I was born this way, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm this, I'm trans, it doesn't matter. It isn't that. Depression crosses across all different demographics, age, it, it knows no favorite. And that's what I love because you speak to so many different audiences and people and talk about one of the key steps when you're feeling isolated and you're feeling alone and you're depressed, what are you telling people to do? Well, I work a lot with three words, love, acceptance and kindness. Whoever come on my way with telling me they're suffering on depression or they are facing uh, mental health illness, I will tell them to begin looking for help. Finding someone, having a best friend, having someone you trust, someone you can just let it go, you can cry off, you can let these emotions go away. So don't isolate, share. Don't isolate. Isolate is one of the, is one of the biggest problems because that's what you want to do. As you're not feeling accepted, as you feel like you don't fit in, you don't want to go out, you don't want to meet people, you don't want to work, you don't want to get off of your room, you don't want to see the sunlight, you don't want to do anything, you just feel like... I'm just going to stay here with myself because I am the horrible thing that no one wants to be around. And because you're just feeling so low. And, and I hate myself I, because yeah. I'm not accepted and I wish I could change. But then after a long journey trying to change yourself, you realize you can't. Mm -hmm. You were born this way. You're perfect. You're beautiful. But before you get to know that, you just realize you can't change yourself. And it's very frustrating when you try so hard, you put so much effort in the work trying to change yourself, trying to be different, trying to fit in. Or even trying to get out of depression. When you're depressed, one thing I love you're saying. It's, it's a, okay not to be okay. That's it, exactly. So, it's yeah. okay not <laughs> to be okay. And there's so much freedom in that sentence, you know? It's okay not to be okay. I can't tell you how many times 
in my life. I've tried to be okay, and I should think I'm strong enough to get over it. And why am I still crying about it? Or why do I not want to get out of bed? Or why do I not want to talk to anyone? Or why do I just, you know, I'm so hard on myself. But when you said it's okay not to be okay, or when we were having a conversation on the beach about mistakes are just part of life, yeah. just stop beating yourself up. Take a moment to have self-compassion and self-love, and know each step you can do it differently. So you've taught me a lot in the it's okay to not be okay. So you're you talk about awareness, be aware, reach out, share with others, don't isolate, and it's okay not to be okay. That's the second and one of the most things you need to know to get better is that it's okay not to be okay. Whatever you're going through, no matter what you're going through, you're gonna be all right. Time fixes everything. It happens over and over again. Maybe today you're feeling insecure about something. Maybe, I don't know, maybe just about your look. And in five years later, you're insecure about something else, about your boss, about your college, or about your beauty, or about how skinny you are, or about how fat you are, it, it never ends. Anxiety will be always there present in every single human being alive in this planet. Yeah. It always exists, so you first have to embrace that. It's okay not to be okay when you're feeling, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling frustrated or when you're not feeling good with yourself you just have to remember it's okay go find help talk to someone accept yourself embrace yourself embrace your problem only and find the solution you need to be better but you have to understand that it's okay not to be okay and it's a big political problem because they treat depression as something that you should be ashamed of that They'll tell you, oh, you know what, you're depressed. Just find another job. Have right. three jobs. You're depressed, so you're not going to have time get to busy. be depressed. Get out there. Get busy. Get out there. Do something. Find something to do. Get off social media or internet. Get over it. That was the past. Get over it. To wallow. And everybody, not just the community, but the government, the politicians, schools, everyone in charge of make change in the community, they take depression as something that's not a problem. So saying I'm not okay acknowledging it, letting it be okay not to be okay, reaching out, not isolating. We also talked about uh, gratitude. One of the greatest things is to practice gratitude for the simple things in life. And every day, trying to look for five things that you're grateful for. So you start to train your brain to look for some of the positives, because that actually can increase and reduce depression even more many times than pills, the antidepressants in the research that's been shown. But if you take it from that, one thing you talk about also is change. Like wherever you are today and whatever you're feeling, it's a moment in time. And one thing you can be absolutely sure about is this moment will change and that you have to stay in the game and you have to you know, not say it's always going to feel this way. There is all no always and there's no never. It's always going, there will always be change. No matter what, you're going to be okay. I'm really, really proud to have you as a radical ambassador. Now, I know 
Dior and Chanel, <laughs> Neiman Marcus, and another 20 brands out there all want you because of your voice and because of how classy you are and how you really focus on quality and bringing quality and using your platformers for responsibility. But lucky for me, you have an addiction to Radical. <laughs> I do. I got addicted to Radical. I used to do not take care so much of my skin and you taught me, hey, listen, this can help you. Remember I was complaining about my pimples. I had mm -hmm. so much acne and you was like, hey, can, it can take care of you. So you told me how to do it step by step. And since then I've been doing this and literally I got rid of the eye back that I had. Oh my God, it changed my life. Radical just got rid of my, my eye back that I had here and it was yeah. so dark. Now it's over and also my skin got so much better. So now it's an addiction every day. It's no way to start a day without radical skincare. And, and the fact that we get to think our way, our mindfulness, mindful kindness and uh, radical mindfulness when we're using the product. So when they're using that eye cream, they start to visualize what they want in their life and seeing that like a movie in their mind. And I'm so happy that what you visualized and help others to see is coming to fruition because you are definitely living a life you love. So thank you so much. Are you radical? I am so radical. <laughs> I am are. so radical. You Thanks are. Thanks to you and you're changing lives. You know oh, you are. Well, we're committed to that and nothing less. Radical results. And I'm committed to you. I'm just your assistant. <laughs> I'm We're, just your assistant. Uh, yeah, you're my mister. Sisters and misters on a mission to make a difference. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us in Castellani, where he sheds his light and his knowledge and his radical spirit of kindness around the world. Might we embrace more of that and uh, also move from depression to jubilation and sharing, our, and sharing the story. Yes, I'm proud. So we're not just following you, we're on the journey with you, my friend. Yes, everybody come join us, get on the journey with us, let's get radical, let's change the world, let's make difference and impact here. It is, it's That's a That's what we're here for, let's make meaning. As you heard, Castellani is a gift that keeps on giving, and so we're going to honor him with giving a radical gift. So make sure you go to YouTube, make comments, go to Instagram, make comments. Please tell us what inspired you about this show. We will be collecting all these comments and names every week. We'll be giving a $100 credit that you can go on to Radical Skin Care and have a shopping spree.